Hello, and welcome to Sutra Sidewatch, episode 24. I'm your host, Cameron Shushtar, and with me is... I'm Brandon from Apollo City Comics. And it is still November, and it is our Bond Month. Last time we talked about Goldeneye. Today, we are talking about two movies, one of which is called uh, Casino Royale, and then another that goes by a different name. Casino Royale. And, and a book. And a book <laughs> called Casino Royale. We're doing also, a... I was in Vegas and I saw a Casino Royale. You and then I had Vegas a Royale with cheese after that as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Oh man, how perfect. We should have recorded that episode while you were in Vegas and you could have just set up stage. No, I like... was really hungover. Let's not do that. <laughs> Um, this was, you know, it was a double feature, but it's a triple threat. Cause I, I read the book, um, and the book I, I had gotten it years ago. I've had it for a long, long time. Um, I think almost maybe four or five years ago, I wanted to start like diving into it. And it's crazy because the Casino Royale, first off these two movies, the 1967 version and the tw- 2006 version. Is that? Yeah. They're pretty, about? they're pretty. I thought I watched the same movie twice. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dead on, uh, right? Yeah, on the nail, dude. Um, they—it's crazy how similar, and it's—I've never really said this on the show, but how similar the book is to the film, and actually how much better the film version is than the book. Um, but, oh, the nineteen sixty-seven one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the—that's the one the book takes after, I think. I'm sure. I'm oh sure. Oh my gosh! What do you want? That, to start that with? movie threw me off. I think we should talk about that 1967 first because that really that threw me off very much, and I was not expecting what I was going to watch there. And then I looked at the IMDb and was like, "Oh, okay, I get it now." It's is insane that listing of everything. Yeah, I was the same way. I walked into it. You know, I set up, you know, I was like going to do some work while I was watching the movie and everything and take notes. And then like three minutes into it, I was just like floored. And then five minutes into it, I was like, what is going on? And then like 11 minutes into it, I was like, dude, we might have to do a separate episode. Of this. <laughs> it was like at a certain point, I'm just like, you know what? Nothing surprises me anymore. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. It's funny, my it's funny you said that because my fiance came in the last twenty minutes of that. Film, oh fuck! And then she was just like, "What is going on? What is what is this? And what is this?" And I was like, "At this point, like compared to everything else I've seen, I I'm just expecting this at <laughs> right now." Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I'm not surprised at this point. Like, yeah, it's it's funny because looking back, I remember seeing like, you know, you look up Casino Royale and you do see two versions and. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I guess like this is a re like the Daniel Craig one was a remake or the original one was like a weird like one off Bond movie. And I thought it was made way before the other Bond films. I'm like, okay, so this is just like its own thing and it didn't do anything. And then they really started it with Dr. No with Sean Connery. Exactly. And like Like went on proper right switched over or just like I had that same mindset. Like I was like, oh, this was just like their first attempt. And, you know. Maybe things just didn't work out to make a second one or they didn't want to. And then this other company that was just like, we're going to do Bond, you know? And then it turns out this came out the same year as his fifth movie. Sean Connery's fifth movie. I think it was You Only Live Twice. This came out the same year. And I'm like, oh, so it was a 
competing film. And then I look and it's MGM that did it. And I was like, oh, wait, wait. So MGM had two Bond movies come out in the same year? I don't, I don't understand. And then I look at the IMDb and it says spoof. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Because at first I thought like. I was like, watching it too. Yeah. That's when I saw it was a spoof. And I walked into it and so thinking it was a, you know, just a, you know, 60s spy film attempt, you know? I thought, I thought like, maybe it was like, yeah. yeah, once I saw Spoof, I was like, oh, oh, all this makes sense. I'm watching okay. for like the first 10 minutes. Like, they really took this in a different direction and I wasn't expecting what I got. And then, then I understood. Then I understood everything and I was like, oh, okay. And then I still didn't understand everything, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there was a certain point watching that movie that I was just like, I... I don't know what is happening anymore. Like I have no clue at all. Like it was almost, is there, okay. Uh, am I wrong about this? But there was five directors, right? Uh, let me, the fuck Val guest, uh, Houston, uh, John Houston, Joseph McGrath, Robert Parrish, uh, uncredited is Richard Talmadge. And then for specifically the Berlin scenes, Ken Hughes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Indeed. Uh, it was written by like 11 people. Also a bunch of uncredited people. Uh, inc- <laughs> Woody Allen, uh, <laughs> 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 Woody Allen. <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. No, I had a bunch of people and what I wasn't expecting. Cause I didn't look at the casting list. And then I looked at the casting list as like before I really started watching it. And then I'm like, or no, 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 no. It was the opening credits. The opening credits is what got me. Because first it has that weird intro where he's just Bond's hanging around. And he's like, oh, Bond. And then he's like, let's go do the thing. And he's like, okay. And then the credits start. And I'm like, was that, was that supposed to be like a a weird, like cold, like what was that cold open? I don't understand. And then the credits start and they're similar but not similar to the uh sean like basically the your standard james bond stuff instead it's just like oh here's every actor and the first letter of their name is like in big font and also their picture is in like the letters hole or something or the video Mm -hmm. of them and it shows them for a second and you're like oh shit okay and all of a sudden you see woody allen and you're like excuse me what Woody Allen's in this, and then you see Orson Welles, and you're like, "What? Yes, dude, <laughs> what do you I, mean he's in this too?" <laughs> I had checked out the credits way before when we first started talking about like the episodes, and I was just doing brief, you know, overview research, and I went like on a George, uh, George Orwell. I don't know why I'm thinking George Orwell. Um, I like I went on a kick earlier this year, and I kind of got um into like Orson Welles for a bit. You know, I watched Citizen Kane and I watched Mank. So I watched those two back and back and I was just doing research on them. And uh, I saw that he was in this one and I was like, oh man, I could totally imagine him as like a conniving Bond villain. Like that's interesting. Like no wonder people kind of poke fun at it. I bet that's going to have like a root of some sort. And... (laughs) No. We saw Orson Welles' best performance ever, I think, in this film. Like him and I thought you were going to say the wine commercial. Oh no, dude, this is even better. Like Orson Welles doing magic tricks. Like that's what more do you want in life? Like just her that. body is levitating, and as I remove the cloak, oh, she's gone, and I'm like, what the? F-? 
<laughs> dude the whole like changing colors like whenever he'd move his hands and that was just... that was so stupid <laughs> so stupid but this whole movie was stupid i'm just gonna say right now guys this whole movie is incredibly stupid but you're, you're like excuse me because the whole thing is bonds retired and they bring him out to to take on the, the bonds fucking retired. organization but he's in um this is one of my favorite parts. I was oh, just like they Bond <laughs> is retired in this giant like mansion full of historic historical artifacts. Got an old ass like, butler. An old ass butler. He has lions in front of his house and like he a plays wildlife. he plays Debussy. He's just <laughs> yes. like a piano. And I'm just thinking the whole time he's I'm like, I'm trying not to put my mind in the gutter the whole time at the same time. <laughs> it was it was, I don't know. I feel like it was impeccable. Like, what a bizarre. I think it was like an Alan Moore version of James Bond. That's how I imagine it. Like, as an the old way he was Bond. dressed, I think he looked like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Um, and the way they get him out of retirement, because he, refu- he refuses, like, what, America, France, England, and Russia. They're all like, Mr. Bond, you must come back. And yes. he's like, I don't think I will. And then they go, he said no. So they proceed to have all these soldiers off in the distance with mortars and yep. they proceed to fire a mortar and blow up his mansion so he has to say yes. Uh, that part, I was just like, what? You know, I think the <laughs> butler was still in there. I think so. Yeah. That was just, that was too much. I don't know. I think the I, what I loved about that whole scene too was, um, oh gosh, I was just thinking about it and I totally spaced it out because I got, there's so much happening in that short span. It's hard to like even like comprehend bit by bit. Like if we were due to do an overview of that entire movie, it would be so extreme because it turns into like a Mel Brooks film by the end with like the dancing scene and everything. It was like blazing saddles at the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, oh man, I Woody Allen's an impeccable performance because that's just Jimmy like, Bond. Jimmy Bond. Like, can I can I get it like a, a smoke before I die? You know, you want to grant him a Jimmy request. Bond was like a thing too, right? I want to say that was something. I want to say Jimmy Bond is in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. He is. I only watch, I never read the books. I just watched the movie with Sean Connery. No, yeah, yeah, uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy. That's funny. That's uh, oh my gosh, that's in the Tempest. Okay, so I have read that one. Um, that's funny. That's uh, another interesting connection. I'm just trying to like choose a part to talk about because. Well, let's think about the fact that he goes to, like, M dies apparently shortly after, mm-hmm. and he's at like his, I guess, estate, and it turns out all of his like his wives and daughter, his wife and daughters are supposed to be like this whole Scottish thing, and they're all French, or something, and <laughs> it's so weird. Everything in that scene is where, because honestly, for some reason, I didn't think it was a spoof. Even when they blow up his house, I'm just like, yeah. oh, okay. But once we get to the Scottish part, I'm like, okay, this is a spoof. They're like, there, there's something wrong here because there's like, he wants to wrestle. I'm like, excuse me, what did you just say? Oh my god, wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's the part where they're like, they're throwing the rock at each other and everything too, right? Like all those. You rocks. mean how each one tries to lift the rock, proceeds to take himself out of the equation each yes. time? Yes. Yeah. Oh and all the god. all the women, there's like the girl that's like seven, 16. She's they're like, oh yeah, like I always under nineteen or something like that. They're right? like sixteen to nineteen, and the seventeen year old's like, oh yeah, I always bathe daddy in the bathtub and check his temperature. He calls me the thermometer. 
<laughs> I'm like, what? What? Oh my god! And then it leads like it turns out Bond has like a daughter. We find out. Um, and then did, they never Mata showed Bond. His... Short for I guess like Matahari because wasn't the his mo- her mom's name Matahari or something? Yeah, they never yeah. showed the mom though, right? Like that I don't think never... so. Okay, she was like a renowned spy. Though, mm-hmm. so. but Bond becomes M. And yeah. he like remember Miss Money Penny? He's like, oh hello, and just makes out with her, and he goes, I'm her daughter, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> just doesn't even think about it. Doesn't um, make any sense. All the jokes he makes about like Money Penny and like his former wife too, like were just so, I mean, raunchy but like hilarious, you know? Um, yeah. Whatever. There was like one part where I think I think his daughter was saying something, and. Bond just straight up implied he's like, "Well, your mom let everybody inside the house and just implying yep. that she's like slept with everyone." They were just the equivalent of each other. Um, everything that we've ranted about, saying how bad a female Bond would be, that's exactly how they describe Bond's wife. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. What What was weird about this was, you know, he becomes M, mm-hmm. and then he Which proceeds to have everyone become James Bond. So you have like five different James Bonds running around. Like, the whole thing is like, oh, yeah, we get this, uh, what was it, Vesper? He gets Vesper, who is fucking Ursula Andress, who is yes. uh, in Doctor No. Yes. As Honey Rider. <laughs> and I'm I'm like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Oh, my gosh. But she recruits, what was his name, Evelyn Tremble. Yeah. And they're both, James, they're both 007. Along with um, who else was? There was more. There, there's like, like five or six of them, right? Like there's there's a few bonds, and they all have something unique going on. Because like one of them is Bond realizes he's like um, you know, I had a female assassin, I had a female this, a female that, and they were all like just like threats against his life. And he's like, we need a bond that can resist females. And so they have this gorgeous guy, and you know, a money penny has to interview a bunch of men, and she interviews them by kissing them and making out with them for a minute. Oh, and, and Cooper, yeah, <laughs> and, and she finally chooses the one, and they're like, all right, training starts. And literally, like, these gorgeous women will just, like, walk up to him, and they're trying to, like, seduce him, and he grabs him and just, like, flips him over his shoulder, and then he's like, next, and then they, the next girl tries to seduce him, flips him over his shoulder. I thought that was, like, the craziest, <laughs> most ridiculous part out of all and of the, those. Wasn't the secret weapon Dali Alavi? Yeah. She was, yeah. like, the, she was called the detainer or something, uh, and then she's also 007. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's your yeah. move too. Like, uh, I don't know the way they mix so much of it together. You could tell. I, I guess there was five directors, and they each got like a piece of the screenplay. It's like an anthology like, almost, a little bit mm-hmm. within it. Like, there's all these because it doesn't. He takes the most of it. Like, uh, what's what's his name? Um, uh, David Niven is like the main Bond. Like, takes yeah. the first like half of the movie, and then it proceeds to break up into like three sub stories. I want to say because one is with like Vesperlin and Nevelyn Tremble doing their yeah. thing. One is with Mata Bond, his daughter, mm-hmm. and then one is with Cooper doing mm-hmm. his thing. And then it like kind of goes full circle, yeah. and like some die, some get captured. The one him and that Money like Penny needs go glasses, to rescue. but they don't let them wear glasses. <laughs> Oh my! Make him take him off, and he's like, yeah. well, "I can't see anything." Like, <laughs> oh my god! But Evelyn Tremble's the one that goes up against uh, Lashif. Who Lashif? You know, yes. just Vesper Lashif. Just like they're in 
the 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 real movie. And but book, yeah, yeah, no, it's this just had, uh, like all the elements of it, and just all all the all of them like the same thing. It's Bond instead of Spectre, then, you uh, get um, Smirsh. Smirsh, yeah, Smirsh. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Smirsh was the first kind of. Well, it's not called Spectre in the books, is it? No, it is. When does it go from Smirsh to Spectre? Have we established that changing point? I've never met any Smirsh inspectors. I'm going to be honest. Um, no, no. When did we go from Smirsh? Do you remember any agents from Smirsh, or has it always been Spectre in the films? Yeah, I think it's always been Spectre. I don't think they ever called anything Smirsh because they realized it was called Smirsh, and they said we were never going to call anything Smirsh. Because in the books, it's called Smirsh. It's really called Smirsh in the books. Yeah, yeah. And then it's funny because at work, I work at a marketing company. So we, uh, one of the programs that you know we'll kind of utilize is SEM Rush. And so whenever I see SEM Rush, when you spell that out and then you spell it Smirsh, they like look identical because the same letters practically. And every time I'm like setting up a task with them, I'm just like <laughs> communicating to some secret evil agency. Taking over SEO one bit at a time. You won't be able to stop us here at Smash, Mr. Bond. Now let's wrestle. I guess oh, that's... God. God, that... God. Yeah, so... They, they even have, like... I think what what screwed me up was Jimmy Bond. Because you have Woody Allen as James Bond's nephew. And it shows him in... It looks like either, like, South America or somewhere in the Caribbean or something. He's, like, about to be... He's put in front of a firing squad... Throws his cigarette, which is a bomb, climbs the wall, falls on the other side, which is also another firing line. <laughs> Dude, he had some of the most comical scenes. Like, his introduction there was brilliant. I loved it. Like, I even had to show when Kato got home. I was like, you need to see the scene with Woody Allen. Um, that one and the one at the end when he's like playing the piano and it looks like he's really playing and he stands up and it's still playing and he has to like whack it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's so stupid. Um, Why isn't he talking? He he never could talk in front of me. <laughs> he's yes. like doing weird like charades. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, the Woody Allen scenes were like hysterical. Um, that really brought out the the parody aspect of that entire movie. Um, man, I don't know. It was just like, it had the same aspects of every Casino Royale. Um, you have Bond, the setup. You have the, the the card game, and that's the big thing. And then it's just like those three like little parts. You had all the characters. Um, everyone that was in it, Mathis was even in this movie, which was kind of crazy. Uh, who else was in it that was, I think all of them. I think every character that's in the book and movie is practically in it. Practically, yeah. Like, uh, what else? I mean, like the whole the whole chase even happens where uh, who was it? Money Penny gets kidnapped. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't Money Penny that gets kidnapped. It was um, Vesper gets kidnapped like normal, mm -hmm. and then Tremble goes after her and it go, like does a whole speech getting into a race car, and then the next <laughs> scene immediately is car. just him captured in a weird like Scottish bagpipe Dude, ceremony and i'm like trip me so out because he goes from like his suit into like the race car outfit like from one second to next he like turns and then it's like the next panel and he's in like the was it racer three or mach three yeah and he was talking all speed racer like oh my gosh immediately it, gets captured after yeah 
And then Vesper has a bagpipe machine gun as she mows down all of the Scotsmen there just playing bagpipes. I don't even think they're doing anything. They're just playing bagpipes. She just kills all of them and then kills Tremble after. Like she purposely misses him, talks to him, and then kills him. And you're like, oh, Vesper's bad. And uh, that's like one bond down for the first time. Uh, what's kind of funny about that too is that you know this came out in '67. It was the, what you said the fifth Sean Connery movie, so Sean Connery was still Bond. It was but, like right before the switch to. I think the next movie would have been George Lazenby, and then they brought back uh, uh, Connery for Diamonds Are Forever. So this was kind of like this kind of predicted the future of Bond too, because it had all these separate ones that you're trying to follow. It's all kind of one continuity. Um, but it also seems like they're kind of killing them off. Our, one of our theories were like everyone, this agent is just named Bond 007. Like that's just the agent's name to keep, you know, they everyone thinking it's just one person when it is more than one. Um, that was one of our earliest like continuity, uh, like fan theories that you and I had made. So this was kind of like a, the same thing. And just like how all of the bonds we've been getting have different approaches. All these bonds had their different like little spin to them that made them kind of unique but uh still had that bond essence like showing how you could do this character over and over again no matter who does it um and that was kind of one of the cool parts to like this whole movie was just like it was it was so early on but it just like everything they did the the way connery was treating women and then up to you know daniel craig that's the way all these guys were and then you kind of even get that daniel craig i'm gonna resist women type of a vibe on it too well, in this one, he's just, like, outwardly, like, oh, d- d- get out of my room. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he's more, it feels like he's more afraid of them half the time, practically. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the wristwatch scene when they're getting all of the their equipment. Do you remember that part? That was, uh, that was a, they had a Dick Tracy reference in there. Cause they were oh, just really? Like, yeah, because they were saying, like, oh, who thought of this? And they were like, oh, we, we got the idea from some comic strip. And Dick Tracy at the time had uh, their whole TV wristwatch. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Oh, All that's right. right. Yeah, and then he shows the he looks down or something when they're talking mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and she's <laughs> so stupid. And then you have yeah. some trippy scenes where, like, the daughter has to prove herself, and she goes through that insane like art house, like, and it's just super bizarre. And then you have like, I don't even remember the who was in that room with her. But they had like the green and blue lights up up on their face, and she had to like they were like oh, the daughter has returned and all this stuff, and she had her own like whole little prophecy that she was fulfilling and proving, and it was it was a lot, it was a lot. I I think that entire movie was. I feel bad for anyone who's like I'm gonna start all the Bond films and I'm gonna start with this one, just because it's like the first classic. I do want to <sighs> say with uh with with uh Bond's daughter with Mata like. I wasn't expecting characters such as Polo in it. That dude that's like that nervous little short guy. Oh. That was, okay, that, I was cracking up. I was laughing so hard. At, I think that was the funniest thing to me because he's like, are you He's got like a weird like life box yeah. on his chest that's keeping him alive and she just fucks with it. <laughs> would, would you find this movie to be like rewatchable? Like... At some I point. I had that full thought in my head where I laughed at the end. And I'm watching it. I'm like, what a what what a crazy unique movie. I never want to see it again. I 
literally at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I would honestly like buy this if it had like a nice like Blu-ray, like a, a dope like steelbook or something. Um, I would totally rewatch this just for fun, just like for the parody of it all. Maybe this will be our final episode. We'll come back and just do a deep dive on this. No, we'll make you do it. No, we will we'll not. We will oh, not do that. I yeah. loved it though. I thought it was. I thought it was a. Uh, just ridiculous and stupid it was it was something it was something for place. sure yeah it was I, it I was just... fun and it was just poking fun at the whole aspect and it was just stupid and hard hard to follow like in every way too but still like enjoyable but i don't know i think <laughs> not what i would have ever expected i think the only way i'd ever watch it is if i'm fucking with somebody where i'm i'm re-watching all of it with them or i'm showing them all the bond movies and i just put it somewhere in the middle I wouldn't even tell him where. I'm just going to put it random. I'm going to choose like, oh, yeah, it's going to be in between Connery and Roger Moore or something. I don't know. Something random. And then just play it and just see what they do. And they'll be like, what? what is this? And I'm like, What's, it's a Bond movie. It's, a, it's, you know. This is one of their attempts to reboot the franchise. And it's great. It just yeah, they, took, they wanted direction. to take a dark, serious tone with it. And this is yeah, it. It's this a whole is... new direction. But. Yeah. I feel like if you've watched all the Bond movies or a good chunk of them, I think it it, it does deserve like at least a single watch just to see yeah, the fun of it. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And then you can throw it into the fire after. Yeah, 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 I'm just so I'm just so appalled by it. I'm appalled that they did this because also where there's this is this feels like one of the first spoofs in film. That's what I was like, thinking. That's so I, early in the '60s. Like, how are you going to do a spoof already when people are still just trying to make movies in general? Yeah, exactly. And this was a total, I feel like, unique aspect for that timeline. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe there's stuff I just don't know about, but or at least not a popular spoof from way back when. Abbott and Costello would be like, <laughs> I feel like the closest to a relevant spoof at that time. Oh, true, because it does at certain points spoof the monsters. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, that is true. But yeah, this is this is something. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely like nothing. If you're reading books or watching any of the other movies, it's really nothing like you'll, anything else. Like, don't compare it. Don't think you're watching Casino Royale. Yes, there is a casino. Yes, there is a card game for high stakes. <laughs> There's like, honestly, compared to the Daniel Craig, the only, there's only like two scenes that are even remotely close to each other, which was like the card game and the the chase that yeah. doesn't actually act yeah. you don't actually see that those are like the only two parts in the whole thing that are even similar uh, yeah it's that's dude i don't know it's hard to choose a favorite uh, spot i think okay i'll give you my 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 like top moments for sure are when you first meet bond um and are introduced to his mansion and everything i think the other parts that stood out was every woody allen scene um the ending for sure which for, let's for, Let's say that for a sec. Like Woody Allen's Jimmy Bond gets tricked into eating a bomb <laughs> and he starts hiccuping. And it, each time he hiccups is a different color and it's a countdown. Yes. And he's just walking around like wah, 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 just like like just losing it. And everyone's fighting like Bo like Bond gets reinforcements from America, from Britain, from France, and they're all just fighting the um 
I guess like Jimmy Allen's, I mean, J- Jimmy Bond's <laughs> guys. And like at one point, there's a bunch of Native Americans that parachute from yes. the goddamn Geronimo. <laughs> so stupid. And they get in there, and I think they dance at one point. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it's it's a whole mess, and then they all get blown up because Jimmy Allen, Jimmy, why am I saying Jimmy Allen? Jimmy Bond <laughs> explodes, and then it immediately goes to a weird credits where like, oh yeah, now they're all in heaven except for Jimmy Bond who's going to yeah, hell. There's like a musical piece where everyone's like playing a harp, like all the main characters in the movie, and oh my gosh, yeah. It takes you in like 20 different directions. It really does. It's it's not, you're right. An anthology is the best way to describe it. With just like one kind of, what was the whole point? What were they trying to do? Who were they trying stop to stop? Stop Smirsh. They were trying to stop Smirsh, who it, apparently right? Jimmy like, Bond was in charge of uh, as oh, Dr. Noah. Yeah, Dr. Yeah, no. It was still no uh, in the movie, Dr. No, but they pronounced it. But it has an A-H, but those are silent. And so... <laughs> Instead of like Dr. Noah, that same movie, the first one, and that villain, it's Dr. No- Noah is a proper way to say it. But oh my gosh, that was perfect. I also love the, the when Mata's going to Germany, she gets in the cab and she's in London. Let's put this in perspective, guys. She's in London. And he goes, where are we off to? Berlin, west or east, west. Oh, good show. And then like, you're like, wait, you're taking a taxi from London to West Berlin? The cab driver's like, where's my money? Proceeds to break into the headquarters. Where is my money? Helps her like fight everyone off, which was absolutely ridiculous. And gets back in the cab. Where are we off to? London. Oh, good show. <laughs> just drives from Berlin back to London with the same car without oh get. I just, I, I was just shocked by that. That was so ridiculous. It really was. I, you know, I want to, I should have made a list of like just scenes because there's just, it's hard to even put them in chronological order by memory. <laughs> I don't. Even if you did, there there would just wouldn't be. I don't know. It just wouldn't be. And also the the lions in the beginning. They're all all the heads of like the countries are coming in. It's like why does he have all these lions? Lions here, lions there. There's lions everywhere, and you're just thinking like, oh, because the MGM they have the yeah. lion the exactly. whole time, and that's probably why they're doing that. That's exactly what I was thinking. I thought that was perfect. Uh, Even talk shit on Sean Connery. It's like, where's that fellow that replaced me? He just keeps getting women killed. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that line. That's like one of my favorite parts when you meet him too. The one moment um, he talks shit about Sean Connery. Yeah. God. And that's another way. Like, dude, it, it totally gave... I wonder if like the people who are working on Bond saw this or saw the script before it came out and was like, hey... If Sean leaves, we could just do this whole idea right here, but make it like our version <laughs> serious. But I don't know. I thought it was a total, total prediction of our of our Bond status in the universe. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a piece of Bond history. I'll give it that. And then I'll switching that. from that, like back to the book, and to we the... we getting into the real, <laughs> we're yeah. ready to get into the real stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like the book, well, I should have mentioned this last episode, but hey, it ties to last episode. I might have, I don't remember. But he wrote the first book, Casino Royale, in his mansion in Jamaica, which was called Goldeneye. the The mansion was called Goldeneye. The mansion was called Goldeneye. When he was writing the book, did a bunch of guys come outside with a mortar and proceed to fire and blow up his mansion? 
<laughs> I wonder if that's why they gave him a mansion too. Maybe that's movie. why. Yeah. This, yeah. It's a total like Ian Fleming like ripoff. Um, I can't believe they called his mansion gold. I did not know that dude, way. Because he died in 64. So I'm sure they knew about his mansion at that point. That has to be a spoof on Ian Fleming. And there was a, he took in a child when he was in Goldeneye Mansion. And that child was a little girl who he raised. And she grew up to be Tina Turner. <laughs> to sing his Goldeneye song. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, so honestly, this, this movie and this book have the best 2006 <sighs> Casino Royale. We're saying the 2006 yes. Daniel, yeah, 2000, Craig, yeah, Daniel Craig, first Daniel Craig Bond film, which we've, you know, we've talked about him in No Time to Die so far, which we're, we were just going to the end. We're not talking about the beginning of Daniel Craig, yeah. which is where we are now. Yes. Yeah. This was, uh, the best adaptation by far. And in fact, like they took this story and elevated it so much more. Um, and I think that's what makes this movie so fucking badass is that they literally adapted the book, but all the content they added to the, uh, to the movie, um, it just made the character more fleshed out, made the whole scene and scenario, you know, more at stakes, made his whole thing with Vesper a bit more tragic. Um, but at, you know, Ian Fleming's first attempt of like writing a novel, and this being the very, very first Bond book, this is still a great read. Like, I think, you know, the people definitely should fucking hit this up and definitely read it. And it's a great start. It's uh, it's just one of those books. Like, I, I loved it start to finish. And it it ends kind of sporadically. Like, you know, you know there's more Bond to be coming. Um, but the ending between these two, uh, I think are the biggest differences, but the movie pulled it off. They also so changed much different things a lot. I mean, like this is more of like a, it, it's like the start of all the books that are going through Sean Connery's adventures. Whereas yeah. the movie then goes into whole what? uncharted territory away from the books. Exactly. Completely. completely. Um, and I guess to start it off, like this movie is coming four years after die another day uh, pierce brosnan's finished so this is like you're transitioning between four years you're going from pierce brosnan now to daniel craig and we talked about it actually in the last goldeneye episode uh the director of this film martin campbell he only directed two bond films which was goldeneye and casino royale he started yeah. with he did the start for pierce brosnan and then he did the start for daniel craig yeah which i always thought was highly interesting considering both of those are you can honestly almost say both of those are probably the best from each of those characters, practically. I, I can, we'll see. Yeah, we'll I see. Could say like, that. you know, we we are bigger fans of the whole Craig thing, but you know, for this Brosnan, one as an introduction. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, Which, Brosnan too. So for Brosnan, it's like you can argue between maybe World is Not Enough specific. Like I don't. No one really talks about Tomorrow Never Dies, and no one wants to talk about Die Another Day. So it's like maybe World is Not Enough and Goldeneye are like the two you'd want to put against each other. Just like for Daniel Craig, you'd probably put Casino Royale against Skyfall. Those are like the big two for him as well. I would say that, that. you're like, which two were like, you can go either way without being wrong, potentially, like, because they're both so good just in different ways. But, you know, Skyfall, I believe, was Sam Mendes who directed that one. Uh but it's just interesting because Martin Campbell, you're kind of looking going like this dude literally is just hitting off with like A plus films. Like yeah. he, he just is doing like the top tier of each character practically or each actor taking on that character. But I think the interesting part too was uh, the one character that transitions 
from Brosnan to Craig, which is Judy Dench's M. Yes. That was one of the coolest parts. Um, I'm glad they didn't replace her. She's too good, and I, it's it's sad. I wish we could have got more out of her. Um, but again, she's like her introduction in this one is very similar to Goldeneye. You do not fuck with her, and everybody knows you do not fuck with her. But you know who fucks with her? Bond, like <laughs> over and over and. Oh, over. I hate you, Bond. <laughs> she's just it, and that's the thing. They have that whole like mother son relationship. You know, she's very strict. She's very stern. Uh, She's, you know, she's telling Bond, like, hey, you're fucking up. Like, don't fuck up. And Bond, why are you pissing me off? Like, kind of like as a child type of thing, you know? Um, But they, she's also very caring and compassionate. And, you know, everybody respects the hell out of her. Um, She's such a, I feel like they gave her so much more in these movies than she did with Brosman too. And I think that's one of the best parts of the the overall franchise with uh craig it's also a big shift too because when she comes in with pierce brosnan's bond the whole thing is he's been there and she's new yeah and she's like you know you think i'm a pencil pusher and all this stuff you don't understand i will be ruthless when i need to be whereas with daniel craig craig just becomes a double o in this film yep and he's joining her so it's a it's a full just like 180 there which i always thought was really interesting the way they pull that off especially because also you know at this point you're looking at craig and you're looking at brosnan and craig does look younger than brosnan uh which also oh, i yeah. think works really well yeah I, I never thought about that aspect that's a good point you brought up that whole flip around that's a really interesting way for her to be like how am i going to approach this character differently um you know she's kind of picking up where she left off instead of reinventing herself like she did in golden eye yeah and then uh really quick just going over the we talked about the director the writers for yes, Christina Royale. There's so there's three, and I, you know, all right. First off, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. These yeah. guys started with the world is not enough, and they have done every single Bond since. So they've done World Is Not yeah. Enough, Diner of the Day, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and No Time to Die. So they also wrote No Time to Die. They were there for all five Craig movies, along with the la- latter half of uh, Brosnan. And the third writer was Paul Haggis, who specifically only worked on Casino Royale and Quantum of Souls. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was such an interesting blend. And I wonder if they... I haven't seen Die Another Day. I don't really recall the movie before it. It's going to uh, be really fun when we talk about it and you finally watch it in like two or two years or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I've, I've gone this song. I'm like, I could wait. It's, it's just funny because I always hear those are the ones I get bashed on. And seeing that transition of maybe they learned from their mistakes, maybe they just grew and had more freedom or maybe this is what they wanted to do all along to introduce this type of bond. And I don't know, but the writing is just night and day. I feel like different story wise. Um, They really got to build their own bond universe and make it totally unique. And I I really have no complaints. I, I mean, of course we all have somewhat small complaints about this franchise, but really like this whole Daniel Craig, you know the direction they took it in throughout every single script is very cool and they literally brought it from the ground up um so it's just kind of crazy you had these guys like really just hone in this empire and have control and with this character and made did the best thing out of it that we've seen yeah and the cool thing too with this i mean like this is the thing we talked about before the big establishment here where you know we've gone through and talked about pretty much the first 
I think with Roger Moore, the first couple Bond movies, like, of each actor. And, you know, we've talked about that whole thing of where you could see how it all fits together. They all kind of connect with each other. And then Pierce Brosnan's, like, the end of that connection. It's where it that story does wrap, unfortunately, with Die Another Day, but it wraps up. And then you'll when we get there, you'll understand. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it's not that bad, but you're just kind of like that's the ending. Um, whereas Daniel Craig, it is so clear, it is incredibly clear that this is a reboot. That is, it yeah. is standalone. It is not connected to anything else. And for five movies, it is a cohesive story for five films, which is why uh, I consider it honestly superior to all the other ones because it just kind of it's very clean it doesn't make you you're not questioning things you don't have questions going well how does it connect to this or how does it go with that you're just coming out of it going everything made sense i understand and i got the beginning to the end with everyone without anyone ever changing actors pretty much Uh, and and if they did change it's because they died (laughs) what's great about it too is that like you know they knew it's a bond franchise and they leave you on such a good cliffhanger too at the end like a real like okay what's going on here now like how is the story continuing and that's kind of the way the book leaves you off too in a way uh we'll get to that in a bit but you know by introduction standards i thought that i have always loved the first scene in this the black and white the black and white like introduction to bond because it is a flashback um it is like him like showing a different time period and that's what makes it so cool and easy to digest is that by putting it in black and white and then you switch to color right after that you know that that was a key moment that you needed to see that moment and that we're somewhere else in a different time period now like you know that's what's happening with this and i think that's such a brilliant easy way to let the audience know instead of being like then present you know what i mean it's a more creative especially because he wasn't a double o in the flashback right yeah yeah that was him getting his second kill Agent um, Bond. Yeah. That's it. How cool that's is that? all he was. Yeah. And we never get to see that in any other incarnation. And in the book, he's already Bond. He's already 007. Yeah. That was really cool. Because once you get into color, they even, they're referencing 9-11. Like, they're, yeah. it's getting, <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, we're getting to this area. All right. Um, it, it feels very interesting because, like, wasn't it? It starts off with the bomb chase, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah, so it has the bomb chase. There's, like, that dude that's, like, hey, don't give him away. Give him away. He's right there. He starts yeah. right, like, that dude fucking dude, fucks up. Watching that scene is, like, one of the coolest chases ever because, you know, oh, yeah. that guy with the bomb in his backpack, the way he he's just athletic as hell, too. Um, oh, he's going everywhere. He's, like, an acrobat. <laughs> but, you know, think about that. Like, you're running for your life, and then, like, Bond and this other guy are the two people in the world that they're sending to, like, go after you they're sending their best to go after you and this guy is just running like and risking everything because he knows he has no other option but to like do the craziest shit in the world to try to like get away from these people because he knows they're the best yeah. um i guess is... actually acrobatics would be the wrong way he would be parkour this dude is like yeah free running parkour, parkour man yeah yeah yeah, Ex- yeah no 100 percent. yeah that's that's exactly it and it's just one of those things like i don't know i can't think of a a cooler chase sequence in like any superhero film you know like when you think of like captain america or you know the avengers and you know even with the was it civil war or whatever um with crossbones and all that like stuff like that's like kind of a similar environment and everything but those chase scenes never 
have never done something like this. And I feel like that's what Bond like really excels at. I think the the only closest I'd say is probably the Nolan chases where it's like Oh yeah, uh, I can say that. The bat the very first time you see the tumbler. Mm-hmm. I can that, that's that. just insanity and then um we're going mobile and then you know bane's on the oh, motorcycle <laughs> yeah okay yeah. okay I, I could give the nolan ones credit for that too yeah, yeah also just sure. love but those yeah. are vehicle chases as far as that like on foot like an on foot like you're seeing we've never seen spidey or daredevil um oh man just like batman chasing down someone like this because you know batman would do true. shit like that you know yeah um, that's what I want to see. Yeah, let's get the detective stuff down in a Batman movie and then get some dope chases that we would see in a Batman comic, you know? Or at least we get to see him chase Colin Farrell in a car. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be fun. With the penguin shit. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, but, so... Yeah, that's one of my favorite, like, starts to it. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so much to go over, either character-wise or just, like, within the story. Yeah. What do you want to go with? <sighs> I'd say characters. Let's go with characters first. Okay. So we hit yeah. up Judy uh, Dench, um, M, and she, she, you know, agrees. She's not actually, she's in the beginning, really. And then after that, she's in yeah. a little bit of the transmissions, but nothing more. Yeah, just small stuff. Yeah, the, not to the very end um, when she kind of tells Bond, like, hey, where's the money at, yo? <laughs> where's the transaction? And actually, I guess saying it now, because we're not going to talk about it for like a, a, a bit. We we don't we won't be talking about Q or Money Penny until Skyfall. So not even like next year. It'll be like the year after, pretty yeah, much. Those characters uh, are kind of out at this point. Yeah, and you just have. I think Tanner's in this one, right? I think Tanner's is Tanner in this one. Is Tanner? I think he is briefly in the beginning. Then. Yeah, I think yeah. Tanner is because he's like the only one I think that's potentially in all five movies. Yeah. I want to say, but I'm. Double checking it right now because I'm not too sure. Um, I actually don't see him. Never mind. Maybe Tanner's not in this one. I wasn't sure. Let me double check somewhere else. But otherwise, I guess the biggest Bond out. Al- well, Felix is in this. You know that. Yeah, this is the introduction to Felix. And you know what? When I had first seen this character, oh, I'm th- I'm dating back to like my first time watching it, like in high school. Or just like times leading up before I really knew like my bond knowledge <laughs> as far as I do now, <laughs> um, but basically from a year ago, uh, Felix was like never a recognizable character. Like I knew he was important, I knew he was cool, and then Jeffrey Wright wasn't really an actor I had recognized at that point. And you know, the last I guess like three or four years, I've seen Jeffrey Wright across so many things, and of course, I definitely know I'm gonna be excited to see him as Commissioner Gordon. And so he just has like a certain mantle to me now. And every time I see Felix and just seeing his introduction and how humble he is and how good of a character he is, like I want Felix spinoff movies. Like that's that's it. I just want Jeffrey Wright doing these awesome CIA uh, crazy world missions because it's so he's so slick. He's like, you know, he knows his level of confidence. He knows when he's like failing and knows how to ask for help. Uh, he's a very opposite of Bond, you know, a huge contrast. And I think that's what makes Felix so interesting. You know, when you look at Bond, who is losing millions and millions and millions back to back and just being like, I could do it. I could do it. Let me beat him. And then Felix is like, man, I, I'm losing all my cards out there. Like, I'll give you the money. You have more confidence to do this than I do. And you're like, damn, dude, like, good move. Like, no, yeah. like, when to, like, pull back or not. He was really cool and, 
I, I just remember like seeing this so long ago the very first time and it was so exciting seeing Felix and I think he shows up in I want to say what three out of five of the Craig movies but uh, I guess seeing him in it and a much more different version of him compared to the way we see him in all the other Bond movies because in the other Bond movies you know they're already established as friends you're like yeah. oh it's Felix hey how you doing man yeah and this time you're like this is a cold opening to them this is like they don't know each other uh-huh. and you know Felix is black this time too. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he's always like a white dude and he just feels a lot more cool. Like not yeah. actually cool and chilled. He's very yeah. chilled where the other ones are very more, I feel like they're more high energy. Yeah, I could see that. Whereas he isn't as much in this one. He's just kind of like more looking around and very, cal- much more calm, I guess you could say. He feels uh-huh. a lot more calm as well. I can see that too, for sure. Yeah. He always kind of has that collectiveness around him. Um, and again, uh, contrasting to Bond in every way possible. And then even like, even like character wise, like, dude, you get Jeffrey Wright and then you have Daniel Craig, you know, <laughs> like those two guys are contrasting the hell out of each other. Daniel Craig's blonde, pale as hell, blue eyed or green eyed or whatever. Blue eyed. He's blue-eyed. completely different than and, all the other Bonds. Yes. Like, and he just stands out against every single Bond character that we've seen on film. Um, he got complaints when they first cast him. They yeah. were like, he doesn't look like Bond at all. He wears the like he's not brown or black haired. Yep. This he's doesn't... supposed to be Scottish and whatnot. So yeah, like, they went for they wanted that darker um, look and everything. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Uh, but it turns out like it just I feel like he fits Bond. Like um, you know, when you look at a modern aspect, it just seems to make more sense, and it doesn't seem so dull. I guess you know. Yeah. Um, I even look at Bond comic books and looking at different ways different artists have drawn him over the years. And it's kind of like he always has that same distinguished, fig, you know, look. And it just kind of all blends in together. At least Daniel Craig does pop out of all these other uh, versions. Yeah, very much so. And besides him, we get, I guess, uh, you know, let's just talk about her now. Yes, I'm down. We get Eva Green as Vesper Lynn. Man, Vesper is awesome in this fucking movie. <laughs> and she's a, this is one of my favorite Bond girls too. I was like so in love with uh Eva Green when I was like in high school just because of this. Yeah, movie. they, they like, just had to put Eva Green in it and you're just like, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Here we yeah. go. And um she this is also like a very important character and I can't wait to like rewatch how we see you know, when I rewatch Quantum Solace, it's been a while, like a couple years since I've seen that one. But, you know, this, even in the books, she plays such an important part to Bond's life. And this is one of those characters. I feel like, of course, you have to adjust some stuff to the current story and, you know, make adjustments. But I feel like they did her justice in both ends. Like they really brought her out in the book and in Casino Royale, the movie. Because uh, same thing, she's kind of like an agent that they team her up with, uh, with Bond. And they do have a relationship. They start to kind of like fall for each other, even though they are kind of, you know, like, you know how they kind of have a standoff right away when they meet. It's oh, kind yeah. Of similar stuff that happens in the book. Um, of course, it's much more, you know, explored throughout the film, though, for sure. But they even fall in love and they spend days together. And then, like, you know, she starts acting weird and whatnot. And that kind of starts leading to her downfall. But I don't know. Like, it's hard to imagine any other version of this character if we ever get it in the future because i feel like compared to the book and 
what we saw in the movie, they're just dead on, like on point. Only their deaths are different. How does, uh, I guess, the death happen in the book? So when they're in love and then stuff starts kind of like getting weird, like they start seeing a guy with an eye patch uh, and she thinks that, you know, she's being followed. And then all of a sudden she's making phone calls to France, like every like, you know, twice a day almost. And Bond is watching her and she's getting more and more paranoid. And then uh, they run into the guy with the eye patch again. And then her Bond, you know, Bond's like in love with her, saying like he would marry her and that, you know, he's leaving uh, just like in the movie. Like he leaves uh, M16 and all that, MI6. Uh, and she Which is feels- crazy because at this point he's kind of just getting started, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> and you know, in the movie they kind of touch upon her necklace and how like there was a, a lover of hers that she's, you know, that's that's what she was attached to. Um, yeah. Same thing in the book. It you know, but you find that out when she dies. So she takes a bunch of sleeping pills and kills herself because she can't stand what she's doing to Bond and how she's like a double Russian agent. And apparently they have like this guy that she's in love with, this Polish guy. And that, you know, they kidnapped him and she had to do all this stuff so that he could, his life could be spared. And so she, you know, that's happening. And she was supposed to be getting letters from this guy on the 15th of every month. They stopped coming in and she knew she was, he was dead. And that like allowed her to fall in love with Bond in a way too. So her and Bond run off and then she falls in love with Bond and she knows what she's doing because she's a double agent and she can't stand it. And she just offs herself. Um, Bond finds out and the end of the, like the last page of the book is like Bond, like, you know, being like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) uh, he's like super, (laughs) he's just pissed because, you know, like stuff has just been weird and awkward. And he's like, Vesper, just talk to me. Like, explain to me, Vesper. Why, why are you acting so strange? Why can't we be in love like we were? And, um, then she's like, you would really marry me just like in the movie. And then he was like, of course. And then she's like, I need to think about it. And then she goes and kills herself. Um, let me think and, i'll get right back to you hey yeah <laughs> let's go kill myself bond reads her suicide letter and her suicide letter explains everything in it and um then you know he has to call back mi6 and being like i'm back and then they're like so blah 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 and, he, and the same line from the movie is like yeah it's done the bitch is dead and then oh, that's okay. the end of the book that's like one of the last lines or the last line of the book i want to say um, so he they already know he's dead in the book and she still kills her because wouldn't she then be free to that yeah isn't she free then not to be a double agent anymore like she could still then take bond's side if he's dead who the chief no uh the her the guy she loves i mean yeah but she's still like being followed and hunted and she was still a double agent and okay yeah it was whereas i guess in the movie you know that dude doesn't die yeah i believe he dies it sounds it was implied that he was dead um i think he's in quantum is he I'm maybe that's sure. what they changed up and carried over then yeah it's a whole because the whole thing in quant the reason people call quantum like casino 1.5 is like it kind of continues right off there and it doesn't feel like a full like new story or anything it, it's just a lot more sudden and lacks like i guess the suaveness that casino does but i think i said it before like because i watched everything right before no time to die again so yeah. i watched like from casino to specter and watching casino and quantum back to back made quantum better than the first time i watched it 
Like, I actually enjoyed it the second time more than I, the first. I did, too. I know what you mean on that, too. But also, like, there was a big, you know, just a straight little bit. There was a big factor that played an important role of why that movie wasn't as great as it, you know, might have could have been. I've always liked Quantum. Like, I'm a Quantum fan. I've, I've always never really had a big problem with the movie. But um, uh, that, that was when the writer strike was going on. And there's like literally times where they didn't they they needed rewrites or they needed part of a script and they didn't have it and it was Daniel Craig and the director being like, well, should we try this? And then they would just shoot stuff, and in editing they kind of made the film and put it together because they just they didn't really have writers. The everyone was on a strike at that point. Oh, that makes so much sense now, actually. Holy yeah, shit. right. I wonder yeah. how much different that movie would have been then. Yeah, had I the... know. I know. It is so crazy. Release the quantum cut. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We'll do some deep diving before we do that episode to learn more. But um, I don't know. I got a whole year to figure it out, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I do like that movie, though. I I, I like it a lot. But I like all these movies. But, um, anyways, yeah, Vesper, that's her whole, like, thing. And in the movie, it's just so much more detailed and. You know, the whole background with a sheaf and that whole, like, scene where he has to fight off the African guys, the gang or whatever from Africa. Oh, the, I think they were warlords, pretty warlords much. Warlords and whatnot, like, yeah. yeah. Like, when uh, all that's added, um, do that, you know, they, they go to, like, a nightclub, and that's when Vesper gets that message from uh, Mes- uh, Vesper. Yeah, Vesper gets a message from uh, Mestis. What's his name? Mattis. Mattis, sorry. There's a band called Mestis. And I, that's what gets stuck in my head. Um, Mattis. Uh, and that whole thing is kind of played out very similarly. It looks like they they have the book and they just added in parts to make it more fluid and interesting and elevated and uh, really get your attention. Because mm. the book is literally like Bond's already at a casino and then he learns his stuff. He meets uh, Vesper. They kind of have like their little exchanges. Um, the games start. It's really risky. He, they just explain poker for a bit. And then uh, the car scene. Yeah, she gets a letter from uh, Mattis and she walks out. And then that's when she gets like kidnapped as well. And what they do is like they pull her skirt over her head and they what? put her. Yeah. And then they take her. They, they, they like pull her pants down and then push her over. Just like in, you yeah. do when you're with your friend. You yes, know, you do, exactly. You, you, dude, put, yeah. you put their shirt over their head and you just push them down. That's exactly uh, what I love friendship. It uh, yeah. and then they do the torture scene, and then his healing process, and then like a good do they do the balls the book in the yeah. book? Yeah, that's all. They do the, the balls. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. fuck, dude, that was yeah. that that shit's rough. I remember watching that in the th- okay. I remember in the theater seeing oh, the, yeah. the interrogation scene. And I was in high school. I'm like a sophomore, and I'm just like, oh, oh no, dude, <laughs> not the balls. Funny. When I when I first saw that as a kid, I was watching it, and I was like, nah, they wouldn't. No, that like, what are they hitting? No, no. What what could they be hitting? There's no way. No, I I don't believe it. Like, what's he, his leg? Is it just slapping? Is that no? They That's his third that leg, him, right? Like, <laughs> and then after a while, I was like, dear God, <laughs> why? Why would you do why such a you? thing? That's horrifying torture. That's like the worst kind of torture. I think. I, uh, no, actually, I was a freshman in high school now thinking about it. I was 14 watching this, just being like, oh, my God, yeah, Mr. Bond, no. And, dude, I think that is the probably most, like, dynamic emotion you ever see from Bond in any film. Because you never see him, like, get tortured like that. 
Oh, no. Even in like the earlier ones, it's like very small or he does like a weird like eh, and yeah. like a small like <laughs> silent like ah, pain. Like he doesn't yeah. go like ah or anything. This yeah. one, he's just like crying. Yeah. He's in pain. Like you only, this is like the only movie you get that much like emotion from him. I, I like. Honestly, it's so much better in the movie than the book. Like the book, he even says, he's like, um, like in the book, he's just like, you know, I, I know how to get tortured. Like he's telling himself, he's just like recalling like the pain is momentary. But then after a few moments, everything is so numb because your body just goes into shock. He's like, you won't, I won't feel a thing. Like I just need to make it through the first period. Um, but the same thing, the way they get shot, did they not? They didn't, I don't think, because I, they changed stuff to Spectre in that sense. But in the book, they carved the letter M in his hand. The Smirsh guys. Stop, and, please don't say that name. I can't do it. <laughs> it's so stupid. I know. I know. It's so ridiculous. Well, uh, actually, what is a? Uh, I wrote down what it. It's uh, it's Smirsh because it's two Russian words, um, and they mean death to spies, and that's oh. where, yeah, yeah. It's it uh, just sounds like um. I'm gonna be honest. It sounds like that South Park episode where they do the New Jersey invasion. And they make Snooky a creature, and she's like, yes. "Snooky wants smirch, smirch. Yes. <laughs> That's oh all I think God. about. And I'm like, "Ah, fuck." <laughs> it, the Russian words are smirt, snipomium, meaning roughly death to spies. I'm gonna yeah. complain to my buddy in Moscow about smirch. that. Be like, dude, why'd you guys have to do this? Like, can you make another name? But... And it, you know, I think that's what always threw me off for a bit too, because I knew about smirch, um, but Spectre was something totally different. <laughs> definitely feels totally different which is why in the fucking movie they just go let's just make it specter we're not using the fucking name and i'm glad they didn't yeah, thank god did. yeah. i would have just been like i don't want to watch this anymore <laughs> but I just see evan green be like it's smirch i walk out of, i immediately walk out of the theater I'm like i'm fucking done i'm out of here i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> No wonder they don't take your bullshit seriously. Yeah. <laughs> God. Mm. But that's an interesting change. But they, you said they uh, carve M's name into his hand? Yeah. And uh, um, they kind of do it because they're like the guys that come and kill the chief and the other two dudes. Um, they're like, you're lucky I don't have any order. I only had orders to kill the chief and his men. You know, if they didn't say anything about you, so I'm not. But at least we'll know if we ever see you again, we'll know that we we've crossed paths before and they carve an M and then bonds like even saying he's going to have to get his skin grafted and all that. Um, I thought that was a cool th- little part that they kind of skipped out on. Cause I thought that'd be cool to see in the other movies. Like, a, you know, he's the man with the, with the grafted hand, you know what I mean? Like that's how you identify the man with the bond. grafted hand. Is this like a gold finger thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be bonded okay. but, but that also, that's how uh, he puts together that, um, uh, Vesper was a double agent because he was like, man, like how, you know, if she's already an agent, uh, how do they like just pour a skirt over her head and like kidnap her? And then like two guys were in there with him who, and he even comments, he's like, who knows what those two men are doing to her or like, like implying that they're raping her or something or torturing her. Um, and a couple of other ways when he puts everything together, he's like, I was totally blind to, to all the obvious signs that she was a double agent. And she was just talking to them the whole time yeah. and letting him hit. They, they, she let them hit his balls. I mean, that's like horrifying. She let them do that. Well, uh, 
they even oh it was just like what uh m said at the very end like you know hey like she probably worked out a deal to like so that you live and whatnot yeah that's why when yeah specter comes in there they don't kill him yeah much yeah 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 cool stuff like honestly like i i really just love like i loved watching casino royale and reading the book like i think you're gonna have a blast when you get to reading the book and watching the movie oh for sure Um, yeah because uh we also get the intro to the pale king in this as well like he's the one that isn't he the one that comes and kills just sheaf and he's like yeah and i let you live because of the deal and then like he's the one that she goes to meet and like you know that whole chase that proceeds when that building crashes down and that's funny because you know that whole part that entire ending is not in the book that chasing it literally is just bond and vesper enjoying themselves and then having some drama and she kills herself like that's it like that's the end of the book but everything else the pale king and all that i love that's what makes these movies so great is because they're adding on to this lore what they did to casino royale is what they should do to every fucking superhero movie it was it's like a perfect formula like adapt the story that we're given and like build within it build upon it but at least try to like show us that you know the source material and at least fans will be happy that you've improved upon this and not like oh yeah just made it worse you know i agree with that completely you hear that when you made cowboy bebop you hear what you did wrong <laughs> fucking all right yeah so that's how that, honestly i agree with that completely and I feel like we could talk about the Pale King not in this one because the Pale King is like well, in Quantum and Inspector as yeah, well. Yeah, that's the cool cliffhanger that I mentioned earlier. Um, that was like the whole thing. You see him just run away with a briefcase, you know, with all the money, and then he go, you know, he gets a phone call and you get he gets shot in the leg, and the movie ends on him. And yeah. then in Quantum, like you said, it picks up like immediately after. So you're really finally introduced to this character and then okay so the pale king is that uh that was homegirl's dad that's madeline madeline swan's father yes so bond the pale king is bond's daughter her grandfather is the pale king i want you to think about that damn that's cool isn't that cool See that that uh, again the lore. That's the whole thing where they're like Madeline. They say Madeline is a daughter of Spectre. Bond marries a daughter of Spectre, which is even like she's more Spectre than Vesper is because Vesper is more like a hostage of Spectre. She is the daughter of Spectre. I always thought that was very very intriguing. Damn. And then his brother because it's even extra forbiddenness. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's so good. (laughs) So damn good. It's like Shakespearean practically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Because the whole thing was like. when you're going through these movies, the Pale King feels like he's the one in charge until you get the Spectre. And then you're like, oh, well, he, you feel like he's in charge because he's the only one you're seeing. And he's like, you know, the people who I work for, you know, you won't be able to deal with them. Yeah. And then, you know, you get uh, Christopher Waltz Inspector, And then you think how powerful they all are in No Time to Die until yep. <laughs> fucking uh, Safin comes in and just goes, they're all dead. <laughs> you're like, oh, Spectre is literally gone. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's uh, uh God, it's so cool. I can't wait to like really do a like an analysis after watching yeah. all the, the Craig ones and just putting them together again. Because they do a whole good. weird color thing too. Like the Pale King is also known as Mr. White, and then you also get introduced to Mr. Green and like Quantum as well. So there's exactly. like a white and the green. You didn't think you're gonna get other colors, but that's about it, I think. Uh but the villain we do get more of. I mean the main villain of this one really. Le Chief, played Le by Chief. Mads Mikkelsen. Dude, and like dead to the book. Like, 
although they expand upon the sheaf so much more in the movie like i loved every minute that we got with him the man that cries blood how cool is that that was so cool (laughs) Like how so fucking, fucking cool because cool. they they do a good job of making him a strong villain but also a not a victim like you you don't really feel bad for him because yeah. like you see him in the beginning and he's making the deal with the the warlords and they come for him and they even have like his girlfriend where they're like yo we're gonna kill her and he's like yo don't do it and you see how he's like you you see him in the card game and yeah. he seems all powerful. When he's outside of there, you go, oh, he's just the middleman and he's going to like get got either by the people above him or the people that he's basically like his customers. One of the two are after him at this point, depending on how this goes. Like, you know, he makes a deal because, you know, Felix and Bob make the deal where the the Americans get Le and that alerts Spectre. And they're like, oh, you're going to make a deal with them, Lishif? Okay, let's fucking murder you then because you've gone too far. Dude, Dude, I love that. Uh, I love the whole thing with the blonde girl and how they just like, just like, like, it was just cool seeing the villain like just lose over and over and over again. And just knowing that that their fate is just horrible. And it's kind of cool seeing that how... Bond is going up like the weaker against all of the villains he's about to go up against. Like this was the easiest one and he does get poisoned. He does like literally die for a second. Um, he does get tortured. His balls. Bond goes through a lot of shit in this movie more than any other movie. I feel like honestly. And it's like against like the weakest person, you know, like this doesn't even like match what he's about to go through. Like this was a lot of physical and emotional pain. Um, but the rest from here on out is a lot of kind of like mental the fuck with your mind type of stuff. Yeah. Cause honestly, you, when you look at Casino Royale's bond fighting Lashif, Lashif is the small fry for sure. Especially when you think about, um, Silva, Javier Bardem's character. Yeah. And then yeah. like Christopher Waltz's like Blofeld, like he, it, Casino bond would not win. No. Against no. either of them. Yeah. Like it takes the bond that goes through Casino Quantum and Skyfall to beat uh Silva and then also Spectre adding that in to beat like uh Chris Christopher Waltz's character, like beating Blofeld. That's like, what makes this whole series one of the another thing that makes this whole series just amazing. You see that character arc and that growth and how like his flaws from this film and how he has to grow past them and you know, honestly, that's why I, I've never agreed with how he was represented in the films because he does get start getting really cold after the death of Vesper. You know, like he wanted to marry her. He was in love and to lose her just absolutely destroyed him to find out she was a double agent and that he was being betrayed and he was being fooled. Like all of this just fucked him so hard emotionally and he was already a cold person. And so it just you just see the ramifications of this like throughout the next few films and you see his character just change and then that's why seeing him being brought back to life with uh madeline and his daughter was just so like almost gut-wrenching because you kind of knew what was going to happen um and he was gonna lose it all and he did and he's just this guy just never got to find his happiness ever every time he finds it it gets just ripped away from him in just an intense way and and i think the thing that I don't want to talk about it just yet, but the things that always describe Bond very well are his, at least Daniel Craig's Bond, is his intro songs. Like the intro. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
those are incredibly incredibly accurate to how it goes and which is why they're so they're so well done specifically with those ones because you listen to the other ones for the other bonds and they're really good and they're more like hitting the title if yeah. anything these ones they kind of take a different tone completely where you do feel a lot more in it but yeah. like i said i want to after the characters are done i definitely want to talk about um that song which we'll definitely get to oh it's... we could jump right into that because i don't think that's any more characters although uh i was gonna say the only other character i want to talk about briefly is just uh renee mattis oh that's mattis. like the yeah. only other guy yeah, yeah. but yeah. besides the fact that i just want to say really fast with lashif i just really appreciate that we had mads mickelson in here to oh play yeah because he's such a good actor and i think that was i think the most iconic role for him for me because from then on everything i saw him in at least when i was younger before i really knew like before you really learn a lot about the actors and you're just going off of the characters they play i'm just always thinking oh it's lashif it's lashif lashif except for the fact that the only other role i saw mads mickelson in that was like really once i figured out that it was him in it was uh the clive owen king arthur film where i believe he plays tristan and he's like this more uh wild looking knight of the round table and he's got like a hawk and he dies against the main villain before arthur fights him and i'm like looking back and i'm like oh my god that was my favorite character in that movie (laughs) was mads mickelson and i never knew it was mads mickelson (laughs) Yeah, oh, dude, God, he's, so he is so good. good. Every I've never seen him do a bad performance. You know, he's, like, he's always just, great. Even always it, dude, he was great in Rogue One. Oh yeah, well. he was one of the best characters in Rogue One for sure. Oh, I yeah. wish he was in it more. Honestly, he was. They could have definitely used him more. Ugh, um, but all right, Renee. real fast before we switch to yes. a new character, I meant to tell you. Uh, uh, this is a Felix fact, um, but he's from Texas. I like that Felix fact. <laughs> <laughs> we should start doing those. Uh, he's from Texas. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it says in the book he's, he finds out he's from Texas. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, Felix himself, not Jeffrey Wright, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't no, think Jeffrey was... Wright's from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's from Texas. But I was like, oh, hell yeah, yeah. Represent right there. Um, okay. But Renee Mathis, uh, dude. <sighs> How is he in the book? He is so much different in the movie to the book. Um, in the book, too, he's kind of like an unknown guy to Bond, but he kind of like starts like you know understanding him a bit more um but like he's really not like a prominent character in the book you kind of he's kind of just like the informant the guy we know each other because this guy you know uh he's so much more fleshed out and i love him in the movie like everything he does he knows everybody yeah yeah literally like it's so knowledge is like business pretty much which is i love that so much i love his like the first scene with him at lunch and then you see the cops like go arrest the guy and then the next one with the body he calls the cell phone and it starts ringing and then they discover the bodies in the trunk like just brilliant stuff but um i thought that you know the whole connection that they have within him and how Mathis is the one that kind of brings them together. That's the way he is in the book. Okay. Yeah, because he definitely <laughs> talk about dudes just getting fucked over for nothing. Yeah. Because, you know, Bond thinks it's him and it's it's actually Vesper that betrays him. So Mathis just straight up gets like knocked out and tased and then dragged away. I love that. And then you're like, oh, no, it wasn't Mathis. He was good the whole time. He was loyal to Bond the whole time. And you're just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> which I, you will you know, get more of that in quantum as well he's also in quantum 
but I won't say any more until we get to that episode. But I feel like Mathis, like he takes on more, you know, in the book. Okay. In the film, he does more of what Vesper's kind of motivations are in the book. Does that make sense? Like, yes. um, she does all this stuff and it's kind of her pulling all these strings, but in the movie, it's Mathis kind of pulling all those strings. Which is why he seems sus, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because looking at his character, you know, you have Felix who's like Bond's American support, and it feels like in certain movies, Bond gets like a, not local, but he always has some weird, he has some character that supports him in a different means where it's like, uh, what was the one we watched with the karate? It was, um, I think it was Man with the Golden Gun. Uh Uh-huh. Remember, yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. has that guy that helps him out, and he has, like, his nieces that are also, like, karate masters. <laughs> like, you have him yeah. in GoldenEye. It's the ex-KGB dude yep. that helps him out. So each one you get some form of, like, localized help, and Mathis feels like that for this movie. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, I would say also the reason I like him a lot compared to the others is he feels very suave. Yeah. Like, the dude's, like, a super gentleman. He feels like... Mattis could have been casted with another Bond, a previous Bond actor, could have played him as well if they really wanted to, just to keep that, like, you know, gentleman dude that feels like a lady killer at the same time still. Mm. Uh, this is, I think, something you could have straight, you could have put, like, Timothy Dalton as him if yeah. they really wanted to. Yeah, it, would have, yeah. whereas, it actually would have worked well, I think. <laughs> I would have totally but, seen that. Like, he definitely worked really well just being the know everything man or the man with connections or you know it's a good question and i already have an answer to it and if you look over there the answer is being solved currently as we speak yep just yeah i just love that that was such a yeah yeah it was was a good show like every single scene with him and like such a wonderful actor to kind of pull that off so suave uh like um and i was always just like really excited and impressed but then you see the difference in his character uh, before and after Bond gets tortured too. How afterwards yes. he can't even like look Bond in the eye and he's just like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, I think so... it's also like, I feel like maybe he thinks he might've failed Bond in a sense, but also um, wonders like, oh, did Bond tell him anything either too mm, true. at the same time? Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to say before we switch off of characters is, you know, at least in the first three movies, we have a history of Bond's, uh, you know, the whole, oh, yeah, every woman that's with Bond pretty much dies. Yeah. And in Casino, Casino is a very rare case of, yes, both. And, you know, we have Vesper, played by Eva Green, that unfortunately dies. And then before that, we have Solange, who is, yeah. um, she's like the, the wife to that dude who is... Such a dick. That piece of shit dude. And she sleeps with Bond. They find her. I think they drowned her. Because they find her in, like, a fishing net or something. Yeah. Like, she's all, like, pale and stuff. And I'm just like, damn, that sucks. Because they do such a good job of making it open. And they do, like, a very, like... You know, they're trying to woo the audience, I feel like. Because they show her, like, riding on a oh, horse yeah. in a bikini. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, classic Bond girl. Like, super classic Bond girl. Like, 70s, 60s, um 80s bond girl vibes right when she's introduced her whole aspect of her just trying to get revenge on her guy because she's like unhappy with him and not even caring and she's just like oh bond you just sweep me off my feet 
And what's cool about that whole interaction is that like, yeah, Bond sweeps her off her feet and he gets, he's about to get her in bed, but then Bond doesn't sleep with her. Craig does no. not do anything with her. And he just like, he leaves. Like, oh. Cause he's like, all right, cool. Mission accomplished. Take the yep. car, bounce. He like and got the head to the airport and gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love but that. she still I... paid for it. And I was like, damn, that's, that's rough. And the whole thing too, cause Vesper is supposed to be like the breaking of the bond girls. Like this is yeah. now a completely different type of bond girl where I think you get it briefly. Actually, you know, it's like the ones that are groundbreaking are probably like, you see the ones in golden eye we talked about. Uh, one of which was more so because she's the one questioning everything. Uh, of being like, why are you all killing each other? What's the point of this? I don't understand it. And then, of course, the other being uh, Zinnia on the top. And then you're like, oh, no, she's too much. (laughs) Dial the 10. Whereas Vesper is more of like, uh, oh, she annoys Bond. Yeah. Like she legitimately annoys him. And then it actually grows on him. And that's like you see the real relationship forming because she's actually able to get under his skin, which is why, you know, the others always feel like one and done's. Yeah. because they're not connecting with him too much in another lane like those real senses whereas vesper does but yep. uh don't worry uh the next two craig movies will also talk about all the deaths and stuff of just like well another good job done bond he got yeah. another one killed for yeah, fuck's sake that's just it's just the history of this bond honestly it's so i mean it's great you just it makes him hurt more and it makes it all that much harder on him very much so but that's all the characters. And now I, I really want to talk about this song, which is called You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Right? And it is... So this is the whole thing. We talk about it between... It's like, what's your favorite Bond movie and what's your favorite Bond song? And the two that always kind of, for me, have always clashed is Casino Royale and its song you know my name, against, like, Skyfall, and then the song Skyfall. And it's so difficult, but honestly, I I think, honestly, I gotta say, Chris Cornell's You Know My Name is probably my favorite Bond song. It's Without a doubt. Because it's so hype, I even have it in my workout, like, playlist, because it's so, it just gets your blood pumping. Yeah, it's it's so I feel like unique against any other Bond song as well. Like if you It's alive. Yeah, it has a totally different vibe. Like it has like I don't know, how many male vocalists have done Bond songs too? I don't think any. I think this is the right? fr- I could be wrong. I think I this feel is like the it's first always one. a female. Yeah. I, I I I mean of course I haven't seen every Bond movie yet, but I mean I feel like I always hear a female's voice doing the Bond song. I think also because you know, you look through all of the songs that pertain to the movies and yeah, you get some that are like the man with the golden gun yeah. and you're like, wow, you know, it's like it's talking about the title, but also it's very, very, very focused on like, you know, the the silhouettes of the woman and yeah. which doesn't, you know, the, the Craig ones don't take that away. It's still in some of them, I'd say specifically probably Skyfall out of all of them uh, is probably the most prominent yeah but that's because he's like fucking drowning okay. uh but all, they're all very much specific to that it doesn't really show bond too much in the music videos for all of them or like those openings and it always feels very romanticized and it like 
you, you you're feeling like this you're feeling the sex in the song practically i feel mm-hmm. like when you're listening to it whereas when you get to you know my name you don't feel any of that you're feeling action you're feeling just hype you're feeling energy you're feeling um honestly cold because even says it it's like the coldest blood runs through my veins you know my name yeah and it's like you know they're going to kill you are you willing to die and you know uh they will forget you and i will replace you like that's the whole thing of like talking about the business he's in because that's it if bond dies he'll just get replaced and it's just so the way it's all done i don't know everything about it works and just looking at the video itself it's very you know it's casino royale so it's very card themed it's that bond is the black uh the black silhouette fighting i think it's all like the red ones and whatnot yeah i think yeah and it's so well done and you see like when one of the characters when they fall they just like shatter into like smaller shapes and stuff it's ah, everything about it it just gets you so worked up in the best way possible you're just like oh my god i gotta i don't know i gotta gotta go run somewhere again it's like one of those things that's very refreshing to this new franchise and that it's taking a different approach you know um the theme like just the aspect of the song the song the song um when you talk about like mood and like tempo and just like it being a male vocalist and like kind of what's being sung about in it it's very like you know it's a new approach you know it's a fresh like this is a different thing that we're coming across uh and i love how this helps set that precedent even more so yeah and it's very interesting because it i guess because daniel craig's era of bond takes in a lot of changes like to the point where yeah it's much more i guess you could honestly say female friendly yeah, because yeah. it's not as uh, chauvinist or anything like that, and I think with the opposite there, you have a male singer, which is honestly works in line with all of that because you're so used to only having women sing because it also breaks that type of I guess stereotype as well. Mm-hmm. And when you look through the the Craig movies uh, for all the music, it is literally split in half because Quantum is uh, Alicia Keys and what's his name. Shit, I, f- I forget what it is. I don't know. Jack Whitehall or something? Oh, I think it's Jack yeah, Whitehall. Yeah. Yeah, it's those two. So, you know, a guy and a girl. And then Skyfall's Adele. And Spectre's Sam Smith. And then it's Billie Eilish. So it's like literally... The Sam Smith one. That's Three one guys and three women all singing all this. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah. And even Honestly, with Sam Smith's I feel like Smith's all these song, like, songs are better than any Bond songs we ever got yeah, previously, too. They, like, I, when I made, when I was younger, I think it was around the time Skyfall came out, I made a Bond playlist, and it was yeah. just those three songs. It was just fucking Quantum songs, Casino song, and Skyfall song, and I took, like, I think I took the fun music from On Her Majesty, and then specifically For Your Eyes Only, and then, uh, no, all, okay, I will say the one that's really, really good when when we'll get the, this one will take time to get to but uh world is not enough is sung by garbage and it is really really good that one is wow. good that is a good song that one is probably the best non-craig song i will say actually right now and that's not without with a the, doubt. like tim cook steve jobs villain right that's die another day yes okay yeah this one is like it kind of gets back into the russian again 
That another day is weird because it's like, what if we turn North Koreans into white people? And you're like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like, yeah. <"What?" laughs> I didn't oh expect God. any of this. Why is everything so icy? <laughs> You'll, 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 everyone will understand Dino of the Day when we get yeah. um, It's going to be, that's going to be great because that's the second to last Bond movie we're doing. The last Bond movie is going to be Spectre, but in that month, it's Dino of the Day and Spectre. Oh my gosh. <laughs> At least it ends on a good note. I, yeah. I, I've seen, I know I've seen that one. I just don't recall it. It's okay. Just wait. You're going to wait three years it. and then you're going to be like, oh my God. But yeah. I don't know. You know, this Bond movie is definitely in my top I, I want to say riskfully i want to say that this is my favorite bond movie no this Same. is my favorite bond movie this is hands down my number one if i somebody says what bond movie should i start with i would say with this casino royale with the daniel craig 2000s don't mix it up daniel craig <laughs> 2006 <laughs> not 1967 i'm gonna make a wiki for you and put 1967 casino as <laughs> your favorite movie <laughs> um <laughs> It, I it, think it's up there. It, for for sure, you know my name is my favorite song. It's still it's I'd say it's harder to decide between Casino and Skyfall movie wise because Skyfall is just so oh my god everything about it's so good but Casino is also just I, I don't know they're both different but they both like they hit different notes. It's it, it's really hard to say. It, it's kind of like you know Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. You know, it's like we all know that the Dark Knight is like the better of the two, but the introduction and being able to like just jump in and what it does, I feel is like very monumental and like how unique it was compared to any other way we've approached Bond. It just like there would be no one without the other in that sense. And it just it carries so much more weight and it's important so much higher. Yeah. I think, uh, Maybe I'll have a more concrete answer when we get to Skyfall or even after that. I'll, I'll for sure have an answer when we finally do our like ranking Bond movies up, yeah. like eventually once we're done watching all of them. But yeah, I can see that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything for the most part. I mean, besides that, yeah, I'd say this is probably so far the best one, the best cinematography we've seen oh, just because yeah. they do like like we talked about the black and white intro changed the tone from for the good start yeah yeah like, everything about it feels different than like you look back which you know of course it's they're different movies of different eras mm-hmm. of different times and different technology but yeah this one just, just screams the whole approach to it you know what i mean and you know you yeah. could even have had different times and different eras but like this this is just a way better approach and i i'm glad that they're trying to really it's more you feel more serious compared to the others too it feels the most serious it feels the most they brought like, it back to like what bond's roots were in the book and the whole yeah from what you described bond. when we like, talked about connery and lazenby and roger moore's stuff it they was just like, kind of blow what? my mind how off and you know of course like i want to say right off the bat that this is the most uh like this is like the worst bond in that sense in this book because he is an asshole and he does say some stupid shit like regarding women, but because he's ignorant at that time. And that's the yeah. whole point of him saying it, like saying like, Oh, a woman shouldn't be doing this. Like, and you know, we shouldn't have a, a woman with her emotional uh, well being because she won't get the job done. And like bond is just like, 
that 1950s, you know, secret agent kind. Like it, it's the man of the time in this book for yeah, sure. But so. even in that, you see that evolve and change. So like, yeah, this is like the worst, the worst Bond, the most like Sean Connery, like women are nothing type of thing, you know. Like, but for a reason because he's like closing himself off because he knows what's going to happen if he doesn't think that way because he does he's going to just get hurt look what and then he meets vesper and then she rips his heart out and then you know at the end you know the bitch is dead like he's cold again but it's like a more harsh cold and he's like he's out of spite yeah spiteful and also just to um just to i guess get past it at the same time just to function yeah exactly you know and that's that it has like purpose in this, you know, and I, I don't, I feel like a lot of people overlook like the deeper meaning and purpose behind, you know, phrasing stuff a certain way and having his character act like that at this point, but it is with purpose. So you, you can't go off and say that Sean Connery was completely based off of it because of this. Cause no, it fucking wasn't like that had no purpose. (laughs) Like there was no growth or change after that either. Very much so. Very much so. But I think that's I think that's everything then, huh? Yeah, you know. Um... Yeah. Which you know, this is another. We've had recently some bigger episodes than normal. Like we had this one and No Time to Die. I would say are like kind of our big, yeah, big episodes. Um, well, this was a triple threat. I mean, this was a uh, was indeed coverage. a triple threat. I doubt. We're, I'm going to tell you guys right now, Quantum of Souls will not be this long. It will not be. This, no, it'll probably be yeah. 45 minutes yeah. if anything. Yeah, if anything, yeah. Um, I'm excited though, uh, but this is kind of our last bond for the year. Well, yes and no, because there is going to be one at the end of the year and the beginning of the next year at the same time, because we'll have from Russia with love. We get back to the Sean and uh, because we we talked about it and we're like, you know what? Besides just, you know, February, June, November, New Year's feels like the... We're trying to think of a New Year's movie, and Bond also feels wear a tux, like a, you know, yeah, like, Bond <laughs> is the perfect New Year's movie. Like yeah. we're just gonna go through those next for all the New Years and stuff, uh, which also helps you know take out another Bond movie <laughs> each year as well. It makes it go a little bit faster. Um, but we got that in December though. Before we get to from Russia, we got some. Holly I'd say Jolly. probably. And older movies than we're used to, honestly, yeah. and completely different tones than what we're used to, I guess you could say, talk about, which will be um, White Christmas, right? I believe so. You picked that one. I want to yes, say it's White the, Christmas. It's a musical. Yeah. I think it's got like Bill Crosby and stuff. Okay. And then... Uh, I chose It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. I've never seen Clarence it. Clarence, again, your wings, Clarence. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, if you guys know that scene, but... And also, uh, what's cool, the reason why I chose, uh, we're doing It's a Wonderful Life first, because um, it's like, you know, why Christmas is Christmas. Um, yeah. But I, I specifically chose it because in uh, the Batman, the animated series Christmas special, uh, there's an episode, was it, I think Joker, the one where Joker escapes and all that, and you get the whole. Where, where he literally f- escapes on a Christmas tree rocket? Yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. And uh, Robin the whole night is trying to get Bruce to watch It's a Wonderful Life, and he ends up watching it at the end of it. So I, I, I was like, I need to watch this movie because it's referenced in the one of my favorite things in the world, one of my favorite episodes in the world. Um, okay. So I'm super excited to like finally watch it because it's just like a legendary, I'm sure everyone listening to this is like, how have you not seen that before? Um, but also we're going to be doing a commentary on that later this year too. So that'll be exciting. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be a good time. Until then, though, Brandon, where can people find you, speaking of uh, your commentary? Oh, uh, check out Apollo City Comics on Instagram, on social media, and every podcast platform, and on YouTube. Uh, we just have a bunch of cool stuff and a bunch of new content coming out. We're back with uh, episode 101 that just came out last week for Thanksgiving. And oh, is it about Zoe 101? Yeah. With Jamie yeah. Lynn Spears? Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> And uh, we have a bunch of Christmas themed stuff coming up for the next couple of weeks. So we have a lot of holly jolly content for you for this month of December. Well done. Well done indeed. Uh, and of course, you're already listening on the Suture Side Talk channel. And if you haven't uh, checked out the actual show, Suture Side Talk, you can. It comes out every week. And uh, my co host James and I talk about uh, what we've been watching and playing. Last week, we talked Eternals and. Uh, which, you know, it'll be fun. You just listen to that. And uh, this coming episode is going to be on the uh, Star Wars Visions Disney Ooh. Plus show, as well as that new League of Legends show on Netflix, Arcane. So check those out. Uh, I think actually those that episode just came out uh, in regards to where this one is. But uh, yeah, that's what we... Maybe we talk about some other stuff too. Maybe Gears 5, we'll see. Because we're recording this before that, so... You can check it out. Uh, we also got Cut of Steel. Um, I've been a little behind on the ball there, trying to get people together. I haven't actually done anything yet for it. But uh, the hope is to get uh, comment, uh, full episodes talking about uh, Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman 1984 completely, I guess, catching up with all the specific DCEU movies. Uh, just because Birds of Prey felt good for Thanksgiving, even though we already passed it. And uh, in 1984 is, of course... The best Christmas movie that makes you want to jump out of your window. And it'll be a great time for all. Because <laughs> I think also, I want Danny on these because I don't think he's watched them. So I think it's God. it's really important for Danny to watch them and be miserable like the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> and of course, up to it, down to it. Uh, we'll have some new episodes soonish. Uh, we'll see what we do with them. But yeah, we should have some of that coming too. And of course, Instagram. Twitter, TikTok, Sutra Side Talk, all there. Check us out. And uh, until uh, a couple weeks in December, we will catch you guys later. So awesome. long. Thanks for hanging. <laughs>